Hola, mi gente. You're listening to Growing Up Spanglish. I'm your host, Rosalyn, but most of you know me as Roxy. Every week, we bring you stories from across the Latin diaspora from Spanglish speakers who grew up feeling ni de aquí, ni de allá. Each season, we visit a different city as we meet people whose migrant stories have led them to all corners of the U.S. Pero like, you know I had to kick things off in the city that made me, the 305. Hi, my name is Mary Angel. I was born in Nicaragua. I am from Miami and I grew up in Brickell, Little Havana area, and then moved to Coral Gables. And I am a wardrobe stylist. In 1987, my parents decided to come to the United States. My mom took my brother and I from Nicaragua to Honduras and Guatemala, and then we met up with my father. Um, my uncles were coyotes themselves, so they really helped us um, get from place to place. And then um, from Guatemala, we finally came to Texas. In Texas, we um, got to this place called Casa Romero, which is a safe house, kind of like a religious. They have nuns in there. I don't remember too much. I do remember people sleeping on the floor. And there's a lot of families. And from there, we went to Miami finally, and we took a Greyhound from Texas to Miami. And then the rest is history. Um, Wait, how old were you? I was three. Three years old. I remember crossing the river. Uh, It wasn't even that bad. I do remember getting wet, all that. It was really, I guess it was traumatic because I still remember it, but it wasn't, it was a good experience. You know, it was like positive. What are coyotes for people who don't know? They are a person you pay that is basically a guide or somebody that aids you and knows every place that you could go um, from point A to point B. So from if we were going to Nicaragua, I mean from Nicaragua, so they knew in Honduras there's a space that you could go to and get your papers to get a visa or whatever. And then um, from there, you know, there's little families that will take you in and little bars and stuff like that that will take you in and go from, you know, point to point um, and not be as crazy as some people that don't know any of any coyotes. And they, they end up getting raped in the trains and just like terrible, terrible things happen. But if you can pay somebody like that, that's probably the best um, way to, to go. Do you remember Nicaragua at all? Um, I remember playing. I remember, you know, not much. I know that there was dusty roads because at the point that I came to Miami, to the United States, I noticed there was a big, big change. Like I was, it was almost like a culture shock because after being three years old and listening to Spanish music or not even paying attention to music as I did. But as soon as I stepped foot in the United States and I noticed they were speaking another, another language, it like, it made me think like, whoa, what are they speaking? I want to know what it is. And I wanted to learn English, English so bad. I learned it 
no lie, like in six months to a year. Yeah, like I when I went to school, the first school that I went to, which is Riverside, I I didn't even need to go to Isol because I <laughs> it's wanted an accomplishment. To, yeah, it was an accomplishment. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. I know how to speak English. <laughs> They're like, hey, you don't need to be here. Well, you said that the the most shocking thing was like. The music stood out to you, the language stood out to you, and then I guess also the infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Everything's different. Yeah. Aside from that, what was something else that either you or your family really were just, oh shit, like we're not in Nicaragua anymore? Like in the first couple of months that I was here, um, there was this, on, on Flagler, I think it was, there was a cafeteria still there, but on the, uh, across the street, it was a pharmacy, it was called Rex pharmacy or rec store or something like that and I, I, I saw um, a baby crying and a guy had the baby in his hand and he had a knife yeah he had a knife with you know I guess the baby the baby was crying the mom was like they were homeless crackheads I don't know but she was like give me my baby and you know I saw that while picking up my mom and I'm like dad do something He's like, what the hell you want me to do? That guy has a knife. Um, but it was really, really dramatic. Like, I'm telling you, like, a culture shock, being, just being a happy child with no worries, and then I have to go, I come to the United States, and it's not really a good, it's, it's not, like, as good as you thought it was, you know? That was the first time I also noticed that uh, there was other people that didn't look like me or like didn't look like the people that I knew in Nicaragua or my family members. They were just white people. Like I saw every types of people at that moment and I was like, whoa. And, and, and you're right. A lot of people did migrate to Little Havana because I went to Lincoln Mar Marty Park all the time. And I went to this school called Centro Mater. I, I'm glad that my parents took that route instead of going to like Kendall or something like we stayed downtown Brickell area um and I, I think I had a better experience than a lot of other people or like you know that made me me you're in school what was that experience like for for you going to school I mean I I found out what bullying was that like I, I wasn't bullied but let them know. Yeah, no. Uh, in school, I didn't fight, but outside of school, I did. Okay. Um, I, I did see what bullying was, and I did also see what, like, because um, I went to Shandor. Uh, they were called people from Nicaragua or anyone from Central America, Tira Flecha, which kind of I would hate. And no one called me that, but if they did. What's the translation for that? It's, it's basically calling uh, someone that looks indigenous a bow and arrow thrower and I I didn't like that and most of the people that said that were a specific type of Cubans that would say it to people just like kind of like downgrading them or like you know just not making them feel good um, but yeah that was pretty messed up to hear that uh, that where I grew up from is made fun of or like it's not a good thing which it sucks to to hear that as a child and and it, sometimes it made me feel ashamed of of being from where I'm from and that's why I regret sometimes that feeling because now as an adult any way that I have an opportunity just like today 
um, to talk about where I'm from, I am going to take that opportunity because there, my country is so beautiful and it needs to be talked about. And the people that are from there are great and beautiful and they deserve to be actors, stylists, everything, you know? And, and I want to be somebody that people look up to or that can't they'd be like, hey, I could do that too. She's from here. Oh, cool. We relate. You know, I love that. So I've had this conversation with plenty of people where like as adults, you then begin to appreciate where you're from. And maybe in the past where like you hated talking Spanish when your mom made you mm-hmm. or like, oh, again and like now as an adult you're like yes please all of it and like you get more yeah involved and like it's almost like you have this sense of pride that you never even knew existed all of a sudden like yeah. you want to speak spanish everywhere yeah you like before i was like oh, i don't know i don't i don't want to speak it like spanish that much and now i'm just like i should and everyone should be super proud of Spanish yeah. and learn, having learned two languages. Like that's, you know, that's beautiful. I wish I learned five. I wish I knew five. <laughs> I can tell you, like one of my coworkers when we were in Paris, he was essentially saying that white guy. He was like, when he would get around people who spoke other languages, it made him feel inferior. Mm, yeah. Because yep. he only has English, yep. right? And we all have the benefit of whatever other language we speak. So mm-hmm. it's like, he was like, no, I'm going to learn something. So he decided that he's going to learn French and he stuck with it. And his family was like, that's a useless language, whatever the case is, and diminished it even further, right? Because they're American, they're proud American, whatever the case is. But like you're saying, there's a beauty in having that part of your culture be so relevant to yeah. you as an adult, yeah. but also just understanding the richness in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think also, like, there's some... um countries that try to erase or like don't instill the spanish or the whatever language it is to their kids now and i think it's very sad like when i hear someone's from haiti or whatever and i'm like oh you know do you know creole or if you're there jamaican do you know Patois or whatever you know and and then they're like no and i'm just like really you should learn like that's beautiful and then you should teach your kids and I'm trying to still speak Spanish or like my keyboard has Spanish and English and because I even if I want to talk, speak to my dad on text, I want to even remember that. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to not have it. The only thing that I do that I wish I did besides speak more Spanish is like learn how to cook. <laughs> Nika. Like, why haven't I done that? Like... I, like I made my husband learn how to cook the Nika rice because I'm just not gallo pinto, just like the the way that we make the rice. Like first cook the onions oh, okay. with the oil and the salt, and you cook the onions first, and then you put the water with the the rice, and so it can have like a onion taste, and it's so delicious. Cooking is just way too too hard for me. <laughs> Like, I, I tried and I gave it up. We can't have it all. Yeah. You said you talked to your dad, like you texted him in Spanish. Growing up, did you have the struggle that they would speak in Spanish all the time in the house and you were learning English or you didn't have that issue? No, I didn't have it because my father and my, well, my mom didn't didn't want to learn it, but my dad did. So he, so it, it became a point that I could just speak to him in English. 
or I could speak to him in Spanglish and he'll he'll understand it all. And my mom for now, um, she understands not everything, but she does understand it. So it wasn't really hard for me because he wanted to learn too, you know. Yeah. So it was pretty easy. So what were some of the influences um, in your household, if any? Because a lot of families will do the like kind of like how you said, like they don't want their children to learn or they want to be Americanized as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Was that something that happened in your house or was there very much culture in your home? There was culture in my home. Yeah, that's why I still speak Spanish. Even my little brother still speaks, or he understands Spanish very well. And my mom still speaks to him in, in Spanish because she didn't really care to learn English, you know? So my mom did not, for, like, she's the best cook, so I know how everything is supposed to taste. And we would go to, if there was, like, a Nicaraguan fest, we would be there. So the Nicaragua and me are, like, it never, never ended. So that's why it was weird for me to feel like my being from Nicaragua kind of sucked because I was being called uh, Tira Flecha or other people were being called Tira Flecha and they were from like Nicaragua or whatever. So it, it, it felt kind of weird or like I didn't like that or like in Calle Ocho, I couldn't feel as proud as somebody like you who's Puerto Rican or somebody like the Cubans because there's everyone and everyone's proud. And then you have some uh, Nikas that that are still there and they're proud, but there's there's not as, as much. And, you know, because our community is so small and so spread out. Like growing up in Shenandoah, all there was around me was Cubans in Coral Gables, same thing. So it was just like really hard to to get that out in, in me. Kind of like fast forwarding a little bit. Around what age would you say you got into style? Um, I think what made me all that is growing up where I did. I was so aware of things around me because of the culture shock. Early, early on, I knew I liked Jordans. I knew I liked basketball. I knew music. Like at first I started listening to kind of like rock. Like I liked um these weird bands like Spin, doc, spin Doctors, I think it was called. And like, I liked, I didn't want to admit at that time, but I liked Guns N' Roses and Metallica and all that. But even then, after that, I also liked, which was a really big influence here, was um, freestyle. Bro, freestyle was it. And booty music, it was like, and, and then that there was a dance to it. And then, the, and then when music videos were so new, that you you loved watching them. It's not like what it was here. So you seen uh, everything the girls were wearing. So you wanted to be that. You wanted to shake your booty like them. You wanted to have all the the hairstyles and all that. And then the people that I grew up with, there was this girl and she had like her hair spiky with like a her bangs and it was like a you just put mad hairspray and it was like a bang like this and I would do it. And then I would have like neon and white socks all scrunched up with kids, you know, so it, early on I knew what was cool until later on, though, I knew that Payless wasn't cool, that I should have Nikes, you know. So it was just like growing up and just realizing what what things are. And then growing up in the 90s, everyone was cool. So 
if you had Champion, if you had Polo, if you had Tommy, everything was cool and so accessible and, and everything. It was cool to have it for cheap. So Ross was cool. Like getting stuff for cheap was cool. And like to still wear Ralph and you didn't have to go to Bloomingdale's or whatever to buy that. It was cool. I don't know if KJ knows this, but I was telling him, Mary Angel is like the OG sneakerhead. Like, yeah, y'all don't know about Mary Angel. So let's talk about not only like the sneaker game, but how did you get into it and that culture? Okay, so when you had shoes, we didn't have anything. All we had was East Bay. So that's how you would find out things. And you would go to Foot Locker either the night before the early in the day to get the damn shoes <laughs> okay so you were on the east bay or or yeah just checking out what was coming out when and then you would remember that date and that's how it would happen so that culture alone was just different it was it was um kind of like organic you had the shoes cool and everyone had shoes not just one person here and there like everybody had it and you don't need to know anything to, you just, you, you buy what you like. I don't even know how it happened, yo. That was so weird. But it was around Nike Talk, all those, all those um, forums. And I was dating this dude and we were both into, we we're both into sneakers. And then I remember like a promoter and he, um, for buck 15, he was like, hey, I'm doing the sneaker battles. We're like, what is that? He's like, just bring your shoes and you just, you just, we pick who they, which one's better. And then if you win, you get a bottle. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to the next one. And then that's how it happened with that, the sneaker battle thing. And after that, they were like, hey, you have MySpace, you have like, people know you, like, why don't you promote this for me? And I'm like, all right, just to put it on my page, sure. People just started coming. I don't even know how it happened. It was crazy enough that, Fat Joe would pull up. Like, I don't even understand. Like, it it got really crazy. Some people just waiting in line. I know, I know she's an OG because she said Nike Talk, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you said Nike Talk now, kids don't understand. Yeah, and SNS and yeah, FSF. Everything, right? Like, yeah. they're not in that space. And before yeah. Nice Kicks was, like, the sneaker store, it was, like, the, the blog, right? Yeah. Like, what's the first sneaker you have a vivid memory of? Um, I think when I got the Agassi... Uh, the tech challenges and I was just like I think those are the ones that I brought out but um, what happened with that too also is like I had took a very big break from buying sneakers because I also was like young I didn't have money and my parents were could only buy me a couple shoes so I had like a couple Jordans and because I was just such a fan of Jordans all I wanted was Jordans so there was Pippins and there was this, and my parents were like, nah, we ain't gonna buy you those. And I'm like, okay, well, if you don't buy me those, can my little brother have them? Look, these are new Pippins, can you have them? They're so cute. What about the Kevin Garnett's? Come on. Blah, blah, blah. But the first shoe that they did buy me that was not a Jordan that I was like, was the Grand Hills. The ones with the wavy thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. I know. When I got those in third grade, I was the coolest girl ever in there because no one else had them. And they were like, what are, what are those shoes? And the only person that did have shoes at that time, which I'm sure some people know, um, his name is uh, Joshua. It's like that boy Fresh. I'm sure you know him. 
Why we went to school together. Okay. So we would both have good shoes or like, you know, <laughs> Nikes on or whatever. But um, that whole sneaker thing, yeah, it, it just, just happened really fast. And then it ended really fast too. But it, it became like a whole culture here and which I, I kind of appreciate because then it kind of woke people up. It woke people up to fashion to trying to look good, trying to dress, you know, and, and it was fun to be a part of. And it's a nice little history. So that gave you a little bit of spark of like, oh, I really like this. People fuck with my style. I could do something here. What did you do after that? I, I didn't stop. I just started like putting things together. And if a shoe has two laces, I put both. Because I'm like, poor lace. I, I don't want it to be you know, left out. But um, I get all these cultures that I have or like all these things that I like from from whatever kind of music. And I just like, oh, I like that. And um, I just get from every everything. And I, did, I didn't stop. So I would always like try things out, try new things. And, um, and I was always looking and researching. And I love researching. Like I didn't even know I liked history till till later on in life. Like, I love history. I love Miami history. I love sneaker history. Anything that has history, which is everything, even even like a brand, like the history of that is so, so interesting. So you said you pull a lot of things from musical culture and 30 different genres. How much of an influence has Nicaraguan culture played in your style as an adult and as a kid? Like Oh, my mom. Yeah. She, I think she created a monster because she had little she had clogs and sometimes I, at sixth grade I could kind of wear her clothes so I would and like I know I like acrylic nails so I would wear that and I would wear like like DK and Y or whatever whatever she, stuff that she had and she she kind of somehow knew about brands like LA gear she would buy me LA gear bongo jeans you know, there was like little things she would buy to buy Tommy. She also worked for this brand called Phenotex. It was like a label maker and they would make labels for a bunch of brands. And one of the brands that I do remember that they did was Tommy Hilfiger. Um, I, had, I think they did polo. So I would like stick all those those things on, on my book bags. <laughs> And I would just stick all those labels in there and it was it was very fun. But yeah, she she somehow knew about labels and she did create that. And my dad always liked to look nice. Yeah. Um, like they bought me a lot of Clarks, a lot of Timberlands, because they were nice shoes. They they kind of like influenced me, yeah, in, in brands and stuff like that. And just like looking nice. Looking nice, yeah, yeah. yeah presentable you know you you wanted to in the 90s you kind of like wanted to play that part that's why people were were stealing polo because they're like oh you want to do it we could do that too because you have such a unique sense of style like you literally wear things that i'm like how did she even know that this is gonna look <laughs> the way it looked like another person might pull these pieces and not know to put them together yeah you have you play with style not only in your um like wardrobe but your aesthetic your hair sometimes yeah like where where does that even come from i think it's because you have to be open-minded you can't look at something like if you look at your your jordans and you just put that person that wears jordans like you're gonna stay you're gonna keep that that guy in here 
So if you look at somebody like an old man to wear the Jordans, then you're looking at it different. You can't just be put in a box. That's why every genre, that's why I like so many things because I don't want to put, be put in a box. I don't want to be the, the, the hype beast girl or the whatever little thing. I'm like, I want to do it all because I like it all. So I like this little puffy shirt from you and I like this skinny jean from you, whatever. You know, you just can't be close-minded. You have to look at things different like this hair I did it myself I was just like I don't know what I'm doing to this hair but I'm gonna turn it and I'm like I was thinking something in my head and I pulled from like uh this hairstylist in like Korea and I'm like I can't do all that uh, with all those colors but I like this I'm like I could do a little bit of it and that's how I did you know it's just like trying things out and if you don't like it it'll grow back so it's just like Trying it out. If you don't like it, just start over. Try something else. Um, but it, make sure it's yourself. Make sure it's you. Make sure you feel comfortable. And if somebody doesn't like it and you still like it, then that's all that matters. Because it it's not going to work unless you fucking love it. You know? Just a fact. Because she's saying the, the feeling of starting over, right? Like, just, be a, just go start over. Like, it's okay. Do you think you growing up and knowing your parents had to start over and like life for you as a start over contributes to that thought? Like lessens the fear of just doing it and just jumping out the window and saying, fuck it, I'm going for it. You know what I mean? I think so, man. Um, I'm more scared of that. And I, I, I don't know how they found that strength to be like, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to get out of here and, and hope for a good life. And I think that even if we're not like the richest people or whatever, I think they got what they wanted. And the, what they wanted was a better life, and that's what we got. Because not saying that uh, the, the family we have back home are living, are super poor. They have, a, they are almost comfortable. Like they, they, they're good, they, they're fed, they have a shelter, they, they have fun, they have kids, they're, but we have such a different life here and I think that they got what they wanted. That does play a part in not as much because what they did was crazy. You know, a lot of things to think about. You could have been, you could have been dead, you know? So I don't think that much, but I do hope one day I could be as courageous as my my parents in that way. Have you gone back? Oh, many times, but I haven't been back in like... 10-ish years. I want to I wanna come back to, for them to be proud of me. Yeah. So then when I go come back to Nicaragua, I want, I want like how they treat Rihanna. <laughs> I want them to treat me like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to be like, oh, Mary's so everyone shuts down. Mary Angel's in town. <laughs> yeah, because I want, I want, look, what we have in Nicaragua is boxers. We have a lot of boxers. When we go, when there's the Olympics, there's not a lot of Nicaraguans, Nicaraguenses, you know? And, and I feel like, damn, we need more people that do other stuff other than fighting or running or swimming, whatever. I want us to be creative too. We can be creative. We are creative. Um, we always ask the guests, do you have like a saying, like un refrán? that your parents would use all the time. That sounds completely ridiculous to anybody who's not from Nicaragua. Like if if I hear that you're from Nicaragua, we're like, oh, you're from Nicaragua, Nicoleta la polla, which is like saying, 
I'm Nicaragua to, to the dick. So, but it's like it, Nicoya, which is short for Nicaraguan, hasta la polla, which is the dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Hi, it's Mary Angel, and you're listening to Growing Up Spanglish. Thank you. Yo soy Boricua.